0: Good morning and welcome to our Tuesday chapel. I'd like to, uh, before we begin, extend a thanks to all of those involved in the music over the weekend. The beautiful Christmas at Bethany services were so edifying. Uh, what a wonderful blessing uh, that has been for our campus and for everyone who came. So thank you so much to all who were involved. We begin our chapel today with the prayer for Tuesday morning. Ever faithful God and Father, To you be praise and thanks for all your goodness. Teach me that I may desire nothing except your love, no gain but the riches of your grace, no honor except that of being your child. Grant that faith and Christ through faith may dwell in my heart, that he may bring forth the fruits of faith within me. I commend myself to you anew that you would cleanse and reign over me. Do not leave me or forsake me. I ask all of this through the merits of your Son, my Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the revelation given to St. John, the 22nd chapter, beginning with verse 12. It opens with our Lord's uh, speaking. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last." Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. May be seated. We all remember probably the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And I always wonder what that was like for this woman going out just to get water for her family that day to run into this man and strike up this conversation. And I'll just read you a little bit of it again. Jesus said to her, "'Go call your husband and come here.' The woman answered and said, "'I have no husband.' Jesus said to her, "'You have said well, "'I have no husband.'" For you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Think what that was like to go out and get water at a well and you start this conversation with a man, and he knows your whole life. He knows your whole sexual life. He knows who you're sleeping with now. He knows how many times you've been married. And you really get a sense from this woman that her conscience was very pricked by this to suddenly have somebody confront her with how casually she has treated all of this in her life and her marriages and everything else. And there's something about sexual sins that, that kind of strike the deepest in us in terms of bothering us and kind of lingering on in our memories and, and troubling consciences and things. Listen to what St. Paul says about it. Every sin, whatever a person commits, is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own or her own body. And so often these things that are very private and personal and kind of hidden away from the world because there's an element of shame to them can evoke in us, bring out a a sense of self-loathing and a, a, a real disgust with ourselves. Dr. James Dobson, who is now in his 80s, was a, a famous Christian psychologist back in, the, um, back in his career, especially. And he once said he taught at Stanford. He once said that that sexual temptation is the issue that drives most men out of the church. the The struggle that they have with that, he said, is so pronounced and challenging that it often makes it hard for them to want to stay. In the church and I think I would have to agree with that with the counseling I've done and things too. There's a, a very real and intense sense of God's judgment when it comes to these types of things and when you read a text like this this really strikes fear in the heart okay it, it, it resonates down into that part of us and uh, those most secret places. He describes here that outside of the city gates, that means outside of heaven, not allowed into heaven, outside of the city gates, is uh, all of these, he says, the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. There are no harsher words to be found in the Bible, Martin Martin Luther said, than the ones that we heard yesterday in chapel with this, the parable of the ten virgins when they come to the door and he says I do not know you there are no harsher words in all of the Bible and we're told the door was shut and those who are excluded on what grounds are they excluded the sexually immoral Jesus teaches us whosoever looks at a woman sexually has committed adultery already with her in his heart lustfulness murderers Jesus says whoever hates his brother is a murderer idolaters setting things up as more important in our lives than God okay those who practice a lie who hasn't done that so these are very harsh words that we hear describing the people who will not be allowed into heaven outside they're called but I want you to notice something when Jesus refers to himself In uh, the final paragraph, look at the text again. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. He could easily have brought up Abraham. But David, when you think about David, what comes to mind? David was an adulterer, big time. David was a murderer, big time. David practiced idolatry by breaking God's commands. He lived a lie for months on end after his sin. And so Jesus, by labeling himself here as the offspring or the child of David, is reminding us also of that incident and how David was cleansed of all of that through faith in him. He's reminding us of the cleansing power of repentance, of being sorry for our sins. Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, we hear this beautiful line, blessed are those who wash their robes and make them white in the blood of the lamb. You don't make them white in your own blood or in your own doing, but the blood of the lamb, that's where the cleansing comes from. And throughout the Bible here, especially in these final chapters, John describes the true bride of Christ who is waiting for the Lord to return. Just like a a bride waiting for the groom to come for the wedding. And how is she described? How is the bride of Christ described? You could summarize it like this. She's concerned about her sins. She's aware of them. She doesn't brush them off and treat them as nothing. It's stuff that troubles her heart. (coughs) She realizes she doesn't deserve to be let into this amazing city. She wishes her spiritual life and her conduct as a believer was more faithful and more God-pleasing. It troubles her that she's not been more spiritually minded and more faithful to God. And she loves to hear and know about the forgiveness that she has in her Savior. She's described as being thirsty and hungry for it. And so God, even through this text that at first can sound so harsh, (coughs) is holding out to you and me uh, the wonderful water of life. And he invites us to come and to drink of that water without any cost. He says, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Reminds us again of the woman at the well. And Jesus referring to himself as the gracious water of life. And whoever drinks of him will never thirst. It will quench our eternal thirst, not only in this life to know him, to know we are forgiven before God, but also and especially in the life that is to come. And so this is what causes the bride of Christ to now cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, please return. I want your return to take place because I know I don't have to be afraid of it. Because in Christ, I am cleansed, I am pure, I have drunk, taken a drink from the water of life. I'm now dressed and clothed in his holy righteousness. <coughs> Excuse me. Speaking of needing water. The, um, there's a strange request that often happens at the end of a Christian's life, especially as they get way up in years. That sometimes they will ask the pastor to pray for them to die. And that's something we wouldn't do probably in your age and, and maybe even in my age. But uh, asking someone uh, to pray for you that God would come and finally take them. But really inside of the heart of all believers is, <clears throat> is this prayer that, that God would come quickly and take us from this veil of tears ultimately to our eternal home. And notice the confidence that we can have because of that Savior. I think about the, that woman at the well, who once she drank from the water of life spiritually and came to know of what Christ had, had done for her, she ran back into her town and couldn't wait to tell her friends to come out and to hear the same wonderful message. What a change of heart it worked in, here, in her and in the confidence she now had before God. And so in this Advent season, as we prepare for our Lord's coming and his birth at Bethlehem, Let's also remember how he comes to us even now through his word and sacrament, working this faith in us as we look with longing eyes to the day he will finally return and take us to that heavenly home. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Today we have a prayer request, and um, there's a a Lutheran church and school called Christ Lutheran Church down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. It's a couple hours north of Miami. And currently, we have seven Bethany graduates that are serving there. Recently, some of our elementary ed uh, students and teachers went down there to be with them uh, during this semester. But we just received word at the end of last week that a fourth grade boy named Walker Pinnell um, fell out of a boat and they were unable to find him for days and finally discovered that he had drowned. And the funeral was just held for him a couple days ago. We'd like to offer a prayer for the family and all those involved. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you on behalf of the family and friends of this child, Walker. Be with them in this time of such tragic loss. Comfort them with your grace and the knowledge of the blessed reunion of your saints in glory. We are grateful for the wonderful knowledge of Christ that you permitted him to not only learn but also confess in his young life. Bless the pastors and teachers who carry out your kingdom work that many other children may receive the precious message of salvation. Teach all of us at any age to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom through faith in your Son, in whose name we bring our prayers. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Depart now in his peace. Amen.